Eric Girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, the mysteries, cults, conspiracies, supernatural, paranormal, <laughs> or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it is our show. And, and not yours. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, stop. stop. Go back. Go back. Start from episode one. You're going to want to start from the beginning. Honestly, yeah, you really are. Grumble Thor to my mouth a little You're gonna bit. You're going to want to. I'm sorry I laughed a little bit it's at okay. the opening. We have a special guest today. Sarah could not get a sitter. I could not. My child is with me. So, and by child, I mean uh, my Larry. dog. Larry. Larry. Her, Larry. Ra- her, her rainbow baby. Oh. Oh. Are you- Stop. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. You're going to cut that. <laughs> Well, because if you started from the beginning, then you know this whole show started with my other baby, Snoopy, Correct. and then Stephanie's baby, Xander, who Xander is still with us. He he won the final battle with Snoopy, and, and he lived longer. Xander, I, you know, fingers crossed, that man, I think he's going to be- He's going to outlive He's going to live to be at least 20. All of us. He's, he's going to outlive all of us, and then he's going to- when I tell graves. people how old he is, they're always like, what? I'm like, yeah, he's 12. They're like, that is a 12-year-old cat right there. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Look you at know, him. He's spry. He's so spry. He is. Oh, he's so spry. He's um, so handsome. Yes, he's, we, he's a good cat. We lost young Snoopy. But we lost Snoopy about two years ago. And uh, in February of this year, Larry joined my pack. Yeah. And I could not get a sitter for Larry today. So Larry is now... Looks like he's sleeping now. Yes, yeah, so uh, on don't the know, floor. I don't know if the mic picked him up, but he made a huffy little noise. That's what he does, which is why I laughed when I was uh, doing the intro. Um, it looks like he's already in full REM. Yeah, because he's got he's <laughs> already got he's got the little twitches. It's been like two minutes. Two minutes. He's out. Two minutes, and he's already like. <laughs> oh yeah, he's definitely got like sleep jerks right now. He might aru for us. Like I said, mm-hmm. he talks in his sleep. Ooh, if he gives commentary, like oh that would God, be great. Oh my God, like how he but, feels you know, about no, how the No stress, going. no stress, man. No get pressure your, later. Get your naps. I saw how you ran outside. He, oh my God, he did. Yeah, he, he's living his best life He's today. living his best life. He went outside. She was trying to get him to, you know, use the bathroom before we came up to record. And he just ran around the backyard a lot. He did not actually go to the bathroom. No, he just ran around. Spicy butt. Spicy, spicy butt. Um, and now, yeah, he's trying to get his little nap on. He his nap is on. He's in full REM. His little feet are twitching. Yeah. His little mouth is moving, and he does talk in his sleep. So I would not be surprised if we maybe get an aru or a few barks. He was very talkative last night in his sleep. Um, it's cute, but it also wakes me up at two a.m. So. That's my little baby. That's the new baby. Precious baby. I know. So, you know, I've got Halloween nights coming up. Yeah, you do, Mr. Manager. I am going to be there just about every night except for Friday, October 7th, which is my birthday. Be there to see her or be square and don't ever talk to us again. That's right. Don't ever talk to anybody and don't talk to the police. Uh, not just because <laughs> of ACAB, but because it's a speakeasy. So, you know, mom's the word. Yes. So if you want to come to the speakeasy, you're going to need a VIP ticket or you're going to need to purchase a ticket to the speakeasy before you come to the site. You've got to get it online. Um, but if you are, you know, just you and another person, not like a big group of people, and you come to the speakeasy and uh, you use the offer code friend of Judy at the door. They're going <laughs> to tell you to go and buy a VIP ticket like everyone else. And I might be able to let you in, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. But no promises, you know, and don't tell the fuzz. Yeah, don't tell them. 
Don't tell him. And don't tell Mama. Mm-mm. That's a song from Cabaret. It's one that I don't know that well. Because it's not in the movie. And it's not in the speakeasy either. No, because I don't So stop it. talking about it, dumb. The song's dumb, not you. Yeah, okay, thanks. Good save. The, uh, all right. Okay. Stop farting, Sarah. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I'm just, honestly, it's because I'm so excited. You know what? I'm proud of you for not blaming it on the dog, I'm TBH. full of excited. I would never. I'll take credit for that these. That precious child. That these precious are, little angel on the floor right these there. These are good farts, and I will take credit for them. He wishes. He so wishes. get ready for Halloween nights. You should come out to that. It's going to be cool. Um, we're going to have another regular episode next week. And then the last two weeks of September, we're going to play some awesome stuff. So we are, uh, as you might know, and you might have heard, because we've been talking about it incessantly for the last two episodes, Guesttoberfest is coming. And in honor of Guesttoberfest, and because we have so many wonderful guests getting lined up, and we are working with them, and we're working on getting those episodes ready for you, we, and, and, I can't believe I didn't leave with this. There's so much going on. It's our fifth Guesttoberfest. Yes. Which is very important. That's huge. So in honor of the fifth year, in honor of us having bigger, better, more exciting guests than we've ever had before, we wanted to take a little trip down memory lane. And so for the last two episodes of September, before we get into October and Guesttoberfest, we will be re-releasing our two favorite oldest Guesttoberfest episodes. Bam, 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 bam. Bam, Guesttoberfest. To get you back in the spooky mood and the spooky season and ready for some amazing guests, our fifth year. I can't believe we're here. We're doing it again. It's going to be awesome, and we're so excited to have you along for the ride. Get ready, because spooky season is already here. So this oh, week- yeah, already. I pulled all of my Halloween decorations out of the basement already, out, out on the front porch. So this week and next week, regular episodes. Then the last two weeks of September, we are re-releasing some awesome older Guesttoberfest episodes. And then in October this year, our fifth Guesttoberfest is going to be the biggest thing to happen to our show. In the several years we've been doing it, you don't want to miss it. You really don't. I mean, honestly, y'all, the lineup of guests is a fa- I, I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I've been farting incessantly I since know, we started recording. Fart- I mean, you hear it like just incessant because I'm just I'm. We were storyboarding in like how we want the guests to go, the questions we want to ask our guests, and we're just so excited to bring you a really spooky guest-filled Guesttoberfest yeah. for our fifth year. I'm freaking excited. I'm super ready for it. So um, that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week for another regular nee, episode. Nee, nee, <laughs> music, right here. That's it. That's, that's it. it goes. Just kidding. No, we still have a whole episode We have to do some today. content. But yeah, I'm excited. You should be excited. That's all we're going to say about it. That's it. Be excited. Hey, Ugh. Sarah. Ugh. You couldn't hear that fart sound effect in headphones because you're not wearing them, but it did not sound good. I didn't like it. I know. I mean, I heard it out in the wild, and it was not great. I don't like what I did there. <laughs> That's still... I was not bad. That wasn't was bad. Better. What I did was bad. Yeah. What I did was it, better. It was bad. Yeah. It's okay. We're still friends. I think you woke up Larry. I woke up Larry. Oh, no. We're back. Uh, Do we decide who's on first? Uh, What's on second? 
I don't know. That's a no, right? We that's a yeah, that's a hard no. Hey, hard Sarah. No. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Well, Stephanie, are you ready to talk about some ghosts? I'm ready for you to talk about a ghost. I am talking about a ghost in particular. Tell me about a ghost. I will. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Shh, you're going to wake up the boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a visual podcast, but as soon as we finished that little bit, we both looked looked down at him and his eyes were wide wide open. open. But he's not, you know. But his body didn't change. Like none of his body moved. And he went back to sleep. sleep. Yeah. He's so perfect. Sarah, what are you talking I'm about? I'm sorry, you're right. I'm pulling up my notes right now. I just happened to look back. I, know, I, I looked down at my dog. Boy. He's a good little boy. Okay. I am talking about a ghost of Agnes Burton Hall. Or I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Let me take that. Is that that song backwards? It's your from Never Fam Nap. That's what I was thinking of. Ah, uh, okay. I thought you were doing that, but backwards. So it's. Missy Elliott thing. It's your from Never Fam Nap. That's that. This is uh the Burton Agnes Hall. I said Agnes Burton. That was backwards. Burton Agnes Hall. The ghost of the Burton Agnes Hall. Now the Burton Agnes Hall was a big old house. They call it a hall, but it was actually many halls within a big old house. Mm-hmm. Big old house constructed in 1610 by Sir Henry Griffiths in Yorkshire, England. Mm-hmm. 1610, it was built. He built it for his family, which consisted of his three daughters. His youngest daughter, however, her name was Anne. Her real name was Catherine, but they called her Anne. Anne Griffiths. And she... As in, you know, Anne. It's short for Catherine. Catherine. Catherine, Catherine, way too cool for a second grade. See, you went that way. I was in Catherine, won't you take my hand? Catherine. Yours was a little more. Way too cool for second grade. Is it second grade or seventh grade? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. No one's cooler than Catherine. Catherine. There we go. I almost forgot her name. I did forget her name. Catherine. Catherine. I'm too cool for seventh grade. Catherine. No one's cooler than. I love the way the voice goes. No one's cooler than Catherine. Catherine. Which, uh, for those of you who are listening, it's not Catherine. It's, it's Pepperan. I don't know if they had that show in the UK, which is watched, where most of our uh, fan bases. So, you know, it's a it was one, part of Saturday one Saturday morning. morning on ABC. Honestly, some of my fondest memories have to do with one Saturday morning cartoons. I own the recess movie on VHS in so, my house as we speak. I loved Pepper Ann's voice. Like, I loved her voice. She had this scraggly voice. I was really into it. And then I have only seen that actress in one other thing, and she plays a mechanic in this movie that I love called Drowning Mona. I don't even I don't even know who the actress is. I, I only know her as Pepper Ann, and I honestly she started talking in Drowning Mona, and I was like, "That Pepper is Pepper Ann. Ann." I would know that voice anywhere because I always thought it was cool sexy. She was way too cool for seventh grade. Now, to be clear, I don't you know I say sexy now talking about myself. I was I was a child when I was into Pepper Ann romantically. You were in seventh grade when Pepper Ann was in seventh grade. And I don't I was, yeah, I was like, I was probably in like somewhere between fifth it was and seventh. A little younger, yeah. yeah. When I was coming. I but mean, no one was cooler than Pepper Ann. One Saturday morning was the best. <laughs> She's her own biggest fan, yeah. Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann. This is not about Pepper Ann. This is about Catherine. Catherine. 
Because she was Anne, which is short for Catherine, which is Anne. how we started on this. Anne Griffith. She's the youngest of the three. The youngest of the three daughters. She's the youngest of the clan, Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Like that. That's good. That's really good. That's great. That's it. That's what it is. And she fucking loved this house. Okay. She loved it. She was she, not too cool for this house. No. She was just too cool for seventh grade. She was like, this house is just cool enough for me. In fact, this house might be cooler than me, and I love this house. I'm so glad my daddy is building me this house. This is the best She's house one of those. ever. I have sure. the best daddy ever. This is the best house ever. I don't know if that's really how she was, but like, I, I imagine bet. to the other f- kids around her, she was like, my house is better than your house. She loved the house and she loved the grounds and she was constantly out and around and walking on the grounds and planning the future and planning her future gardens. And she just fucking loved it. She loved the whole place. She's living her best life. Sure. More power to her. It was the 1600s. They didn't have internet. They didn't have indoor plumbing. She did what she had to do, you know? Like, you, you do your thing. Unfortunately, one day in 1620... She was out walking the grounds, doing her usual, I, one day, I'm going to put a fountain here, and I'm going to put a garden here, and I'm going to get married over here, and then I'm going to get divorced over here, and I'm going to get married again over here. Sure. That's my. That's how I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was acting. Um, of course, you know, we took artistic liberty. Anyways, she is out. She's walking around. And unfortunately, she gets jumped. And she gets mugged. And she gets robbed and she gets beaten and left for dead. Damn. On like the side of the road. She's found hours later, barely clinging to life. They pick her up. They bring her back to the house. She fights for like two or three days, battling her wounds. I assume they just beat the ever loving shit out of her. But as she's in and out of lucidity and in and out of consciousness, one of the things she asks of her two sisters as she says, you know how much I love this house? <laughs> I don't ever want to leave this house. What I want you to do is I want you to cut off my head and I want you to leave it in this house just the head because i don't ever want to you you know how i love this house (laughs) i I love this impression of her that you've taken on she's dying it's because she's dying i get it i get it come here hold my hand hold hold my hand look at me you know i love this house i do i really just i i know they're gonna make they're going to make you bury me in the church. But listen, do, do me a side. Have I ever asked you to do anything in my life? So look at me. Have I'm, I? I'm looking at you, Catherine. <laughs> Have I ever asked you to do anything for me in my life? I mean, yeah, a lot. You know, actually, you-, <laughs> you ask a lot of favors. This, uh, but, uh, so this should be no different. <sighs> Like, I'm, that's fair. Like, yeah, I'm used to it is what I'm getting I'm at. Dying. Like, Hold on. What is What is it this time? You know how I love this house. Yes. <laughs> I really want you to just do me a solid. Cut off my head. When I'm dead. After what I'm not right now. I j- I'm I've dead. got the when knife I'm dead. right no, here. Not right now. You said not now. 
when I'm dead. <laughs> Cuddle. Like in a few minutes? Cuddle. Give me a second. Let me get this out. <sighs> you know how I love this house? Are you practicing? <laughs> Take cut off my head. Leave it in the house. Leave it. Just the head. Leave it in the house. Just the head. Leave I'm just trying it. to clarify. Just the tip. Leave it. Just the tip of your body, which just is the head. head. <laughs> yes. 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 I want to be able to see the house. But, I want to be able why? to see the house. Why just the head? I'm, you know I love this house. I know. I really want for like, why just the head? <laughs> 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 And scene. <laughs> so it went something like that Just is like what that. you're getting at. Absolutely like that. And her sisters were like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, of course we will, honey. Of course we will. We'll Just definitely. the head. Just her. the head. Just the head. <laughs> and they looked at and each other. And they looked at each other knowingly. And they right. said, mm, we're not going to do that. Gonna right. do that. We're not going to. I'm not going to. Yeah, In this know. economy? Not going to do that. So they took her out and they buried her in the church cemetery. And her sisters were like, I know she loved this house, but like. (sighs) Uh, And a few days pass until Catherine, Catherine, way too cool to be buried. Way too cool to be alive. Came back. Yeah. And. Came back? She came back. She did. And so it started with the servants suddenly seeing Anne. This is her ghost. Her figure. Yes. Bloodied and angry. With a head. With a head. And she's like, why didn't you take off my head? What is going on here? Why am I still a whole body? I want to be in the. You know how I love this house. (laughs) And the servants are like, I don't. So she would show up and she would be bloodied. They were suddenly plagued with door slamming, footsteps, banging on the walls. And of course, because she was mad, screaming, the screaming. And so she mainly started screaming. That was her thing. She was like, you know how I loved this house. Right, I imagine it was more spooky like that. But she's standing in front of them and they're like, yes, we we know you love this house. And so the family finally got fed up with her screaming. (laughs) Well, I had to imagine I had to stop her screaming. (laughs) And so they went back and they cut off her head. And they like took- dug her up and cut off her head. Yes. Okay. At least the whole front half of her they dug up and they cut off her head and they brought <laughs> Where it. Where was the back half? Still in the ground. I mean, why do more work? So they cut off her head like in the ground. You don't think they pulled her out of the ground? I would assume they just like dug around the top half and just like lifted her up. <laughs> and sawed it off and then laid her back down and just covered it back up. I like the I wish you could see the miming that Sarah is doing. <laughs> she's pantomiming how they almost like how I they was, did this. Like a dog, like I'm sitting over the grave and I dig it up and then I just pull up her torso and sling it over, over my right, shoulder. Right, that's what I like. You threw over your back almost like you're burping a baby. But I'm just cutting But you're her cutting head. her head off. Of, like, 
So then it falls behind me into the sack, and, and then, then you drop the, the body back in the grave, and then you just cover and then just it back cover up. the dirt back up. Right, 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 right. Easy. Work smarter, not harder. Works, works every time. Every time. Which this time it did work. They took the skull, they took her head back to the the house, the hall, and then did she stop haunting it? Yes. Cool. She stopped screaming. She stopped screaming. They stopped her screaming. Oh, she, I mean, she there wasn't anything haunting. else she was doing. No, she, you know how she loved that house. Yes. She just wanted to be in the house. And she was. So they put her back in the house and she was, at, what I don't know for sure, but I would assume is that they cleaned her skull before putting her head back in the house. But they might have just put her head they back in the put, house. They might have rod dogged it. But they put her in the house and it was there for decades. And then someone else buys the house and this other person buys the house and they're like, you know what I don't love about this house? But it was a non-negotiable, like a non-contingible thing. They made us keep this fucking skull that's over the mantle. They're like, never move this skull. (sighs) Joke's on them. I just bought this house. And here we are on love it or list it. And we're getting rid of this skull. And they took the skull out. So the new family took the skull out. They were like, it doesn't fit with the decor. I'm this not interested. I'm not, yeah, I'm not. It's not part of the theme. The they took it out. Beetlejuice. And Anne was like. Was Delia? Delia Dietz. Sorry. It was Lydia Delia. is Winona Ryder. Yes, but Delia was the stepmom. It was, was Catherine O'Hara. Anne was like, <laughs> you know how I love this I love this house. This house. You didn't know because you don't know me because you just moved in. But, but you're you about know. to find out. You know, because I'm going to scream in your face. I'm going to scream in your face. So as soon as the skull left the premises, the ah! screaming Yes. Ah! I love no, this house. I love this house. Did I mention it's I love this house? house? Did I mention love this Put the skull back. You gotta put the skull back. I don't care what it looks like anymore, but I can't live like this. You gotta put the skull back. So they put the skull back. Okay. And to this, and then it sat there and it sat above the mantle until someone else bought the house and they were like, I fucking it. can't do it. And Anne was like, Ha! I love this house. So then they decided, okay, well, what we're going to do is this. If we don't want to see the skull, but the skull has to be in the house, and we're tired of people trying to remove the skull, and we need to sell it, etc. Let's just fucking hide it. And so they hid the skull in the walls of the home. And they didn't tell anyone where they hid it. And to this day, it is unknown where the skull is hidden in Burton Agnes Hall. But it is there. and. She is no longer screaming. Well, that's nice. So she got her wish. Because you know she loved that house. You know, did she mention she loved that house? She loved that house. She did. And that is, uh, in the little snippet I read about it that turned me on to the story, the screaming skull of Burton Agnes Hall. You know what I need, though, after that? After that little bit of screaming? My throat's a little sore and I'm a little tired. Is it a shot of magic mind? You know how did you know? Oh, is it because I'm holding it in my hand? Because I have a magic mind. You from, have one in your hand from drinking the magic mind. Did I mention I love this magic mind? 
Tell the people about it. I love this magic mind. Hey, y'all. Don't worry. You didn't go back in time. We are still using our magic mind. We weren't shitting around when we were peddling it earlier. We love it. Uh, we wanted to come back to you and remind you that we are still using magic mind. And we are still having a promotion for magic There's mind. still offer code, baby, offer because the code. people love it. Bear, 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 bear. Who doesn't love it, Stephanie? It's got nootropics. It's got L-theanine, which just means that my caffeine, it gives it a little bump, 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 bump. Gives a little boost. It just, it latches onto those caffeine things. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. I'm trying not to. Sorry, it looked like you were fisting. It's a fisting motion. I know. I, know. I understand. This is why we I wasn't nice going to make things. it weird. I was going to let you keep going. This is now, this is why but we then you had nice to stop. Things. It's fine. It's got magic mushrooms in it, but New not tropics. the kind that no. make you, uh, you know, trip. The not good that kind. kind. The good kind. I mean, the other good kind. They're all good the kind. The legal kind. Yeah. The focusing kind. Focusing kind. That's what magic mind. We love it. We're a big fan. If you haven't tried it yet, you definitely should. Just head over to magicmind.co slash stories and use promo code stories and get 40% off your first subscription and 20% off your first purchase. Oh, bear, 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 bear. Magic Mind. We so yeah, love it. If you just do a one-time purchase, you get 20%, 20% off. off. But if you do a subscription, baby, 40%, 40% off. You got a stew going. You got a magic stew going. So go to magicmind.co. .co. Because it's not dot com. Dot co. Dot co. Slash. Stories. Stories. Check it out. Go Check give them out, a baby. shot and then let us know what you think about your magic mind shot and how it's working for you. I love it. I love it so much. Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? I am talking about something that's a true crime. Ooh. And it's not fun. <laughs> Okay, great. Larry, come here. I need my emotional support animal. Go go support your mother come here. emotionally. Come sit down. So, man, I know we haven't talked about it enough on this podcast, but did you know that sometimes oh, no. Mormons are crazy? Oh, Lord. What's and, happening now? And, you know, I got all kinds of stories about Mormons being crazy. I could talk about how the Mormon religion started. That's crazy. We could talk about Under the Banner of Heaven. That was a true crime That's thing that crazy. came out about Mormons. It was crazy. But today, we are going to talk about the crime of a man named Brian David Mitchell. Does that name ring a bell to you at all? A little bit. I think when I name his victim, her name, people know more than the people who did things to her, which is good for her. But he was married at the time to a woman named Wanda Barzi. And Brian David Mitchell was the third of six children in a Mormon family in Utah. His mother was a teacher and his father was a social worker. And there was already a lot going on in that family. And his father uh, would teach the children about sex by showing them pornography, <gasps> which is a terrible way to teach people about sex because, as we all know, that's like that's so not bad. real sex not that real. you see in porn, right? Exactly. So, uh, his father also to like teach him how to take care of himself would like as a teenager, like just drive him off somewhere in the city and draw and like just leave him there and make him find his way back home. Uh, and this was in Salt Lake City, Utah, because they're Mormons. Mormon. 
Um, now, he started showing signs of, like, being really predatory and problematic already by the age of 16 when he exposed himself to a child and he was sent to juvenile hall. At 19, he married and had two children with a woman named Karen Minor. And I say the word woman very lightly. She was also a minor. <laughs> Karen Minor was a minor. Yeah. She was 16 years old at the time that they got married. Uh, and how old was he? He was 19. After their divorce, Minor was awarded custody of both children, after which Mistral temporarily fled with the children to New Hampshire. He resided in New Hampshire for two years, where he joined the Hare Krishna commune. Mitchell had a history of drug and alcohol abuse in his adult life. Upon returning to Salt Lake City, he was inspired to seek sobriety by his brother, who had recently returned from a mission because he was Mormon, right? Mm -hmm. So his wife got custody of the children, and he, uh, on the day that his divorce finalized, he married his second wife, a woman named Debbie, who herself had three children from a previous marriage. Debbie alleged that Mitchell was abusive during their marriage, and they divorced in 1984. After their separation, Debbie alleged that Mitchell had abused her three-year-old son, and the claim couldn't be proven, like, medically, but they uh, did not allow him to have unsupervised visits with his children after mm -hmm. that claim was made. Well, they weren't his... Wait, the children that he had with his first wife? Um, no, these were his second, these were his stepchildren. These oh, okay. were the wife okay. of his second children. Okay. But yeah, then that just, he, you know, when they, when you are a convicted or even an accused sexual offender, right? They're like, well, let's keep you away from children, which is, you know, it makes As sense. As they should, yeah. <laughs> they should. That's, yes, of course. So um, after he divorced Debbie, he married his third wife with whom he committed the crime that he is known for. And her name was Wanda Elaine Barzi. Uh, she was 40 years old. She was a divorcee and she had six children. She had a troubled relationship with her children. And one of her daughters later said that she was a monster, that their mother was an absolute monster. Oh, my gosh. Um, And she did something. So aside from like the kind of abuse that not this, none of it's normal or good, but you hear some wild shit. But one of her daughters said that Wanda... This is some animal cruelty, if you all want to skip this or let it go of this. That Wanda fed her her pet rabbit. <gasps> like, made her eat her own pet <gasps> rabbit. Yeah. Oh. So she was a horrible, horrible lady. So together, Mitchell and Barzi were actively involved in the Latter-day Saints Church, which is the Mormon church. I'm sorry to laugh. It's not funny, but I'm like, of course, they're like but super course, into super it, right? Super religious. They are really into their religion. So eventually Mitchell began going by the name Emmanuel and claiming to be a prophet of God who experienced prophetic visions. And because of this, him saying this repeatedly, he was excommunicated from the Mormon church because yeah, they're like, you're a heretic. Like, That's too much. You can't say that kind of stuff. That's too much. And then at this, uh, at this time, his wife, Wanda, started going by the name Hevaziba, and the two would panhandle and preach in downtown Salt Lake City. Mitchell presented himself in an image that was akin to the image of Jesus. So oh he had God. like, he was a white guy. He had long hair, long beard, and he wore like white he robes all the time. Shit. Oh my God. Yes. So he, like I said, they panhandled. They earned money from doing stuff like yard work. Um, just Odds like and ends. Odd jobs, right. And that's how they stayed afloat, basically. 
So it was through these odd jobs that Emmanuel, uh, Brian David Mitchell, yeah, uh, and his wife Wanda, how they picked their first victim. In the early hours of June 5th, 2002, Mitchell broke into the home of Edward and Lois Smart in the Federal Heights neighborhood of Salt Lake City, where they lived with their six children. They abducted 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart from the bedroom that she shared with her nine-year-old sister, Mary Catherine, who was awakened at the time, but because she was scared, she pretended to be asleep so that they wouldn't mess with her. And they took elizabeth at knife point out of the window now mary Catherine, as soon as they were out the window she tried to get up and go to her parents room but then she saw them out of another window of the house and she got scared that they would see her so she went and laid back down Um, and it's not known how long she laid back down before she went and got her parents but probably upwards of about two hours oh yeah and then she woke up like she got back up she went to her parents room she told them what she saw, and initially her parents thought that she had a nightmare, that that it wasn't real, until they went into the room and they saw the cut screen. So the screen of the window had actually been cut out with a knife, and that's when they knew it was real. So we're talking about Elizabeth Smart today. Yeah. Elizabeth Smart was born in November of 1987. I was born in October of 1987, so I remember being very invested in this case as a 14-year-old girl. And, like, it was one of those cases, like, Jean Benet, where I was just like, oh, my what gosh, happened? like, stuff like that happens to yeah. kids my age. And I, like, I'm, you know, shooketh, I guess. So the search for Elizabeth went on for months. On June 6, 2002, um, which was the very next day, Ed and Lois went on television and pleaded for the kidnapper to return their daughter. A massive regional search effort organized by the Laura Recovery Center involved up to 2,000 volunteers a day, as well as dogs and planes. Various websites carried flyers that could be printed or circulated via the internet. After many days of intensive searching, the community-led search was ended and efforts were directed to other means of finding Elizabeth. Mary Catherine's observations were of little use, so she couldn't really describe the face of the person. She said that she heard his voice and that she recognized it, but she couldn't tell them, like, Mm -hmm. where she recognized it from. And she only heard his voice because she heard, like, Elizabeth stumbled, like, stubbed her toe on something and said, ouch. And he hushed her, like, he told her to be be quiet or I'm going to hurt you. She said that he had dark hair, uh, dark, like dark long hair, hair, dark hair on his arms, dark hair on the back of his hands. And that when Elizabeth asked why he was doing that, she she heard him answer, but she couldn't really hear what he said. Uh, She said that he was soft spoken, even polite and calm and nicely dressed. And although Mitchell uh, spoke to Elizabeth quietly, Mary Catherine thought Mitchell's voice seemed somehow familiar, but she could not pinpoint exactly where she had heard it. She never got a good look at Mitchell's face, and this was a fact that was kept secret by the police. They didn't want people to know. Like, they kept saying that she was a witness, but they didn't tell people. She couldn't really say what he looked like or yeah, anything because they of wanted... Of course not. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted people to be like, we know. Like, we were looking for him. So the next day, June 6, 2002, Ed and Lois went on television and pleaded for the kidnapper to return their daughter. A massive regional search effort organized by the Laura Recovery Center involved up to 2,000 volunteers each day, as well as dogs and planes. 
Various websites carried flyers that could be printed or circulated via the internet. After many days of intensive searching, the community-led search was ended and efforts were directed to other means of finding Elizabeth. Mary Catherine's observations were of little use because, like I said, they didn't really see, she didn't really see what he looked like. Yeah. She knew he sounded familiar, but she couldn't really figure out how. And because she didn't really see his face, there was little usable evidence found at the scene. Um, they couldn't find fingerprints or DNA or anything. A search using bloodhounds was unsuccessful. Police questioned and interviewed hundreds of potential suspects, including a 26-year-old who was cleared after being located in a West Virginia hospital. The investigation had the side effect of returning several at-large criminals to prison, but Elizabeth was not found. The Salt Lake City Police considered a man named Richard Ricci a person of interest early into the investigation. He was a handyman with a history of drug use who had also worked with the Smarts. He'd been jailed on an unrelated parole violation prior. Ricci died of brain hemorrhage in August of 2002. To keep Elizabeth's name in the press, her family used various strategies, including making a website about her abduction and providing home videos. So what was happening to Elizabeth while she was in captivity? Yeah. After her kidnapping, she was taken by Mitchell into the woods to an encampment outside of Salt Lake City where they were met by his wife, Wanda Barzi. According to Smart's later testimony, Barzi eventually just proceeded to wash her feet and her hair and told her that she needed to get out of her pajamas into uh, these ceremonial robes. And when Elizabeth refused to do that, she told Elizabeth that if she didn't do it, Brian would come back and rip the pajamas off of her. So she put on the robe and they performed a ceremony, which was to marry her to him. And after that, he proceeded to sexually assault her. And not just that night, but on many occasions. Because now he thought he was married to her. He was, yeah, her husband. Uh, He claimed to be an angel and told her that he was a Davidic king who would emerge in seven years, be stoned by a mob, lie dead in the street for three days, and then rise up to kill the Antichrist. And Smart, he insisted, was the first of many virgin brides that he planned to kidnap, each of whom would accompany him as he battled the Antichrist. Oh, so not only do I have to be your wife, but I also have to fight in this you war. I don't want to fight in for the Antichrist. So to keep her from escaping, she was shackled to a tree with a metal cable, which allowed her limited mobility outside of the tent which she occupied. During her captivity, they forced her to take a new name, and she chose Esther from the Old Testament. It was later revealed during court testimony that Mitchell repeatedly assaulted Smart, sometimes multiple times a day, and regularly threatened to kill her. He often forced her to drink alcohol or take drugs to lower her resistance. He starved her or fed her garbage. Smart's abuse was facilitated with the assistance of Barzi, whom Smart later referred to as the most evil woman that she had ever met. I mean, she had to have been. To have been facilitating and, like, helping along with that with a 14-year-old child. Yes. And her Um, own children, like, one of her own children described her as a monster. Yeah. Like, she was a horrible woman. Good God. So... In October of 2002, Smart's sister Mary Catherine had a sudden epiphany that she realized where she recognized the abductor's voice from. She said he was a man that had worked for the family named Emmanuel that they had hired to work on the roof and uh, rake leaves. And they had only hired him to work for one day. What? Yes. So he he was a day laborer. They hired him for one day to work on the roof and rake leaves. So this And this had been months previous. 
The police were skeptical because of the short time that Emmanuel had worked for the family, the long time that had elapsed, and the short time that Mary Catherine had heard the abductor's voice. However, the family had a sketch artist draw Emmanuel's face from their descriptions, and in February, this drawing was released to the media. It was shown on Larry King Live and America's Most Wanted. The drawing was recognized by relatives of Mitchell, who gave police contemporary photographs of him. In March of 2003, Mitchell was spotted with a woman and a girl in Sandy, Utah, by two separate couples who had seen photos of Mitchell on the news. The woman was Wanda Barzi, and the girl was Elizabeth Smart. Disguised in a gray wig, sunglasses, and a veil, both couples reported their recognition of Mitchell to the Sandy Police Department, which immediately dispatched police officers to the location. Smart was recognized during questioning by the officers who then rescued her and arrested Mitchell and Barzi. One month after the recovery of Elizabeth Smart, the state of Utah superseded the then-existing Rachel Alert with the nationwide Amber Alert abduction alert system, in part to conform with the recently implemented nationwide procedures. Although the Rachel Alert was superseded, the system had been a success in the two years of its existence. So from here, after Mitchell was arrested, he was forced to undergo a competency evaluation. I thought he was going to be stoned in the streets to see if that's he, what he said. If he was fit to stand trial um because he kept claiming to be a religious prophet. So this went back and forth for quite some time. He would throw fits in the courtroom. Surprise, and surprise. He's going to throw a temper kind of tantrum. Exactly. Uh, Jennifer Scheme, a psychologist who initially stated that Mitchell was competent, interviewed Mitchell again per the defense's request in February 2005. After this interview, Heidi Bucci, Mitchell's attorney, filed a brief stating that Mitchell was no longer competent to stand trial. Mitchell subsequently began to act out in court, while jail staff observed no change in his behavior and thought process. So he's just throwing a temper tantrum. Ultimately, Judge Judy Atherton agreed with the defense, asserting that Mitchell's behavior reflected psychosis. The defendant re-entered Utah State Hospital on August 11, 2005, and remained there in 2008. While in the hospital, no staff experienced Mitchell as being paranoid or in a pathological sense. Hmm. Then a question that came up a lot was the legality of forcing medication um, to become competent. Could they force him to take antipsychotics mm. or what have you in order to stand trial? Not be a damn mess, I guess, in the courtroom. Ugh. It sounds like he's a damn mess in every aspect of his life. Yeah. He's just a damn mess. So, ultimately, competency evaluations conducted by Noel Gardner, Michael Wellner, and Richard Demir were presented at the hearing, and Gardner maintained that he believed Mitchell was fully aware of his actions and was attempting to deceive the court. Wellner, another witness in the case, reviewed 210 sources and 57 separate interviews, including Mitchell, his wife, Wanda Barzi, his family, and Elizabeth Smart. The court credited Wellner with presenting a 206-page report. Wellner opened that Mitchell was competent to stand trial and diagnosed him instead with non-exclusive pedophilia, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, malingering, alcohol abuse, and a controlled environment. Wellner believed that Mitchell was highly manipulative and used his religious expression as a way to coax people into overlooking his high function and dismissing him as delusional. 
Experts for the defense, including Dr. Demir, a clinical psychologist, did not dispute these diagnoses. They maintained he had a concurrent fixed delusional disorder, believing that Mitchell was mentally ill at the time of his crime and that this greatly impaired his judgment. Mitchell was deemed competent to stand trial on March 1st of 2010. Wow. Seven years. A long time. Yes. Goodness gracious, he played the system, or he tried to. He sure tried. Wanda Barzi eventually pleaded guilty. Yeah, what happened to her ass? She was sentenced to concurrent terms of 15 years. Does not sound long enough to me. That's not much at all. In state and federal prison. However, due to delays and mental evaluations, it took Mitchell's case almost eight years to come to court, as we talked about. Mitchell's trial began November 8th, 2010. The defense acknowledged that Mitchell was responsible for the crimes, but contended that he was legally insane at the time and should therefore be found not guilty by reason of insanity. The insanity defense for Mitchell was rejected on December 11th, 2010, when the jury found him guilty of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines with the intent to engage in sexual activity. U.S. District Judge Dale A. Kimball sentenced Mitchell to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mitchell is currently serving his sentence in U.S. Penitentiary Terre Haute in High Federal Security Prison in Terre Haute, Indiana. In 2016, Barzi's federal imprisonment was terminated Mm. and she was transferred from the medical center in Carswell, Fort Worth, Texas to Utah State Prison in Draper, Utah to begin serving her state prison sentence. Oh, okay. All right. She's still in jail. Oof. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. What? She was released in September of 2018, which Elizabeth Smart highly protested. Yeah, because she's a monster. So she's trying to live her life in hiding wherever she is now. But Elizabeth Smart, what is she doing? Elizabeth Smart is an activist and a commentator for ABC News. She gained national attention at the age of 14 when she was abducted. Mitchell and his wife, Wanda Barzi, held Smart captive for nine months, as we talked about. But Smart has since gone on to work as an activist and an advocate for missing persons. Her life and abduction have been made the subject of numerous nonfiction books and films. Elizabeth Smart herself has written two books about her experience. She continues to fight for um, kidnapping, uh, kidnapping victims and child traffic victims. Uh, but she is happily married and has three children. Good for her. But she has gone on to try to yeah. attempt to live a pretty normal life, but speak out for victims that are, you know, like she was as a kid. Uh, well, what's her face? Barzi should not get to live in anonymity. 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 She shouldn't get to live like that. That's not fair. So she was released from prison about four years ago, what and a she's just trying. I'm assuming to just live in the woods somewhere and what a sea monster not be known. What a sea word, sea monster, sea word monster. But the good thing about this is that Elizabeth Smart returned home, and that she, yeah, is using her experience to help other people. Yeah, and she is not somebody who is gonna be hiding. Unlike fucking Barzi, who should be hiding, because fuck her. Um, no, she's using her experience and her, I guess, fame in a weird way, um, but to speak for out good. for victims and to advocate for change. Absolutely. And good for her. Good for her. And that's the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. Oof. Sheesh. Sheesh. <laughs> 
That's all I've got for today. Oh, that's it. We that's, just, that's what Larry said. I know. Larry is pooped. Our audio's being weird. We're it just sure ready is. for Guestoberfest. We're ready for Guestoberfest. I can't wait. Sarah can't wait. I can't wait. Apparently our audio's being like all weird. Hopefully that it calms can't down wait. It's going to fix itself. It's fucking yeah, better. It'll figure itself out. That's it. I want to thank you for listening. I want to tell you that you should support our podcast in all the ways that you can. We have a Patreon. We are <laughs> we have our own website, Deadtime Stories with a Z dot com, where we have merch and other cool stuff. But there's also free ways you can support us, like emailing us at deadtimestories at gmail.com. Or the most important way is by giving us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store or anywhere where you listen to our podcast. If you're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of that stuff, you should absolutely give us a good review and tell people to listen to us. Yes, please do. We really appreciate it. That's it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 